1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
3: this is Finsider
2: Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron
0: Sutton. Hello everybody and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. And today in this bonus episode, we are joined by Kent Platty, a contributor of Pride of Detroit, part of the SB Nation Network. You can find them on Twitter at MathBomb. Yes, math as in five plus two equals seven, or two plus three equals five, or yes, even four plus two equals six, or four minus two equals two, or the Dolphins' record at four and two facing the two and three Detroit Lions this coming Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. The Miami Dolphins coming off a huge win against the Chicago Bears in overtime with Brock Osweiler leading the way. They're getting ready to Brock and roll this coming Sunday. The Detroit Lions coming off a bye week two and three to start this NFL season, embarrassing loss to the Jets week one, close loss to the 49ers week two, beat the Patriots week three, close loss to the Cowboys week four, and then beat the Packers week five. Kent, what is going on with the Lions? Why are they knocking off teams like the Patriots and Packers, but they're
4: losing to teams like the Cowboys, the 49ers, and the Jets? What's up here? Oh, I'd like to think that they're just there's only only really planning for the good teams. Like they're just just looking right past the <laughs> bad teams, and it's biting them. Um, but but ultimately, it's came down to game planning, and they've just had a far better game plan in the two games that they've won that they stuck to, and they were able to to uh, continue with, and they were ex- able to execute well. Uh, and then in the other games, they just they just didn't. They came out flat. Ah, uh, the third quarter has been killing the team. Uh, I, I don't want to even look at what our the actual score differential is in the third quarter, but it's it's bad. Um, but the team, it comes out of the second half and they just don't have anything going. But when they do, you know, they shut down Tom Brady, they shut down Aaron Rodgers. Matt Patricia,
0: new head coach. I liked him in New England. Uh, there were rumblings about him. You know, he didn't have full control of the defense over there. It was Brady really Belichick running the show. But all accounts that Patricia is a very very smart guy. And I know during the beginning of this season, there were rumors and stories and whisperings that Patricia didn't have full control over the Lions locker room, but it seems that after they're winning against the Patriots, they, they released that video afterwards. And he seems beloved by the Lions players is Matt, Patricia, you know, it's five games in, it's hard to tell this early in this season, but does Matt Patricia seem to have these lions on the right track?
4: I think so. Uh, he's, he's a very different head coach than Jim Caldwell, who was his predecessor uh, Caldwell was much more, you know, rah, rah, get the players behind you. You know, oh, well, we we stuck it out for a win and we were we were tough in the losses. Patricia is much more hard on the players. And I think that rubbed some players the wrong way, which is where I think those rumors originally came from. I don't think it was a whole locker room concern. I think it was just a couple of players that had probably spoken up about the practices. His practices ran longer. They were much harder. Uh, there was a lot more hustle during the practices, a lot more going on. Um, and I think that's just where that that stuff came from. But he's he's very different with the way that he handles both the offense and the defense. I don't think he has anything to do with the offense at all. There were there were plays against uh, the Packers and the Cowboys before them where he had his back turned to the, turned away from the field, talking to the defense while the offense was actually out there running. So I don't think he has anything to do with the offense. Uh, the defense, he's got he has got a pretty good handle on, but from a fan perspective, it's impossible to keep up with what's going on. We've seen five different weeks of football and a different defense in each game.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we're joined by Kent Platty at Math Bomb. Uh, Kent, I'm glad that you were able to weather the blitzkrieg of math facts that Math Matthew dropped at the beginning of the show with four minus two equals two. I'm sure Um, you're really impressed to be uh, joining us this evening. Uh, But just to to piggyback on another blitzkrieg of sorts, and uh, I was speaking of the trio of wide receivers that you guys have earlier in the week on our podcast and how they complement each other with an E and a a golden Tate. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, they're able to do a lot of different things. Have you seen anything at all in the tape uh, that would help the Dolphins to slow these guys down at all?
4: Yeah, it's tough. Uh, the The emergence of Kenny Galladay this season has made it really difficult to defend the team because the the overlooked guy in this offense so far this season has been Marvin Jones, but you can't overlook Marvin Jones. If he gets behind a cornerback, it's, it's all over. Him and Stafford have a really good chemistry together. Ah, uh, they they didn't the first couple of weeks of the season. It was a little rough going, but you know they had. I, th- I think it was the most uh, twenty-plus yard re- receiving catches last year with Marvin Jones and Matt Stafford. You know he he loves to go deep, and Stafford loves to go at him deep. And now with Kenny Galladay also able to do those things and picking up other pieces of the offense, it's really difficult to defend him. Uh, but the big problem is going to be Golden Tate. Uh, one thing that the Jets were able to do very well, and that the other teams that they've beaten haven't, is is getting rid of Golden Tate on third downs. Uh, the Lions love targeting Golden Tate. Uh, they used to love targeting their tight ends. Now they have nobody at tight end. Uh, but they, they love going at Golden Tate on third downs. They love going at him later in the games. Uh, and he is so difficult because most of the time he's already open. He's, he's either coming schemed open because they're giving him those bubble screens or you know, those short uh, crosser routes. But you know, the moment he gets the ball in his hands, he's a problem. Uh, and if the Dolphins figure out a way to keep Tate out of it, then they just got to keep their safeties back
1: certainly not the most sexy conversation, but uh, more often than not, football games are controlled at the line of scrimmage, and the two games that I watched y'all play were against the Packers and Patriots, where I <laughs> felt that you guys really controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the uh, both sides of the ball. Uh, I saw earlier in the day that Ziggy Ansah is going to be out, so how do you see on Sunday, how do you see uh, the trenches playing out? Do you think uh, Detroit is able to win either of those matchups and uh, is able to kind of dominate the line of scrimmage and, uh, and pull out a win that way.
4: The lions hired Bob Quinn a few years ago as their new general manager. And it was very clear early on that fixing the offensive line was going to be his focus. Uh, One of the main reasons that, that Jim Caldwell is gone, despite having a winning record was that he couldn't figure out the run game at all. He was completely inept, in coaching a run game. The Lions were worst in the league. I think two out of the last three years that Caldwell was here. They've never been in the top 16 under Caldwell. Um, they, it, it was just awful watching them. And then the pass protection started to break down. Uh, this year compared to last year is completely night and day. And some of it could just be health because they've been relatively healthy with the exception of TJ Lang. Uh, but the Lions are one of the least sack teams in the NFL. They have one of the better rushing, or e- efficiency-wise anyway, one of the better rushing teams in the NFL. Uh, their offensive line has been getting a lot of really good stuff done, uh, and it's every position on that offensive line uh, except for right guard because TJ Lang has been hurt. It sounds like he'll be back. Uh, on the defensive line, it, it's, it's, it's almost entirely scheme, and it's really hard to go into detail without going game by game, but the defensive line has been mauled in the run game. The biggest part of their losses has been just getting crushed in the run game, uh, and a lot of that has to do with their interior defensive line just not being able to get pushed. Uh, but they've been doing a lot of really interesting stuff with their coverage schemes. The reason they were able to shut down Aaron Rodgers like they did was that they didn't rush the passer, which is the most – like who does that in today's NFL where, where the game plan is, okay, I don't want you to go after the quarterback, right? Uh, but they just stayed on the edges, and they set the edges and kept a pocket for Aaron Rodgers so that he, if he had to walk to, to step anywhere, he had to step up. And the only times that he really burned the, the Lions' defense was when he was able to get out of the pocket when something broke down. Uh, but they just kept on the outside. I don't think they're gonna do that in this game because they're they're facing Brock Osweiler and I I don't you could refresh my memory, but I'm pretty sure he's not super mobile, right?
0: Sorry, my mic was on mute there. Yes.
4: <laughs> <No worries. laughs> I, I was I was hoping you weren't trying to figure out whether he was because No, no, my <laughs> mic was on I was, I was talking, <laughs> but it wasn't going through. <laughs> yeah, Osweiler is not a very mobile guy. So I don't expect that to be the way that the Lions attack the Dolphins defense. Uh, most of the guys that they've went against, with the exception of Brady, have been fairly mobile, and I, I'm not sure what they're going to do from a defensive line standpoint. Uh, I feel like they're going to be going almost entirely against the run, just trying to keep the run shut down, and then and then dropping everybody in coverage. You're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, uh, three man rushes, I think, in this one.
3: Kent Houts here. I mean, you just touched on basically the defensive scheme of what the Detroit Lions may throw at the Dolphins. We know that that run defense isn't quite uh, lived up to their standards throughout these first few weeks of the season. You got the backfield. You got Kenyon Drake. You got Frank Gore who's playing like, uh, I mean, he's got the Benjamin Button disease. He just seems to get younger as the years progress. He's going out there and just making things happen. Every time he touches a football, uh, we talked about the trenches. What do you fear most? You know, what should the Lions be looking at most? Is it the Dolphins receivers? you got Danny Amendola, you know, the Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills. you got the speed. I mean, your secondary is pretty good. So is it is that a concern? I mean, you mentioned Brock Osweiler. He's a guy who, I mean, he looked pretty good last week, but we know Brock Osweiler is what he is, and at some point he's going to come back down to reality. Uh, we kind of hope it isn't this week against Detroit, but it, is, are they going into this game more concerned about Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore and kind of going to go out there and say, you know what, let's let Brock Osweiler beat them, or, or how do you think Detroit's going to attack the Dolphins' offense?
4: I feel like they're definitely going to be tra- trying to make Osweiler beat him, and my, my biggest concern is going to be speed. Uh, the Lions only really have Darius Slay with speed in their secondary. The, their secondary is not very fast, and they've relied on a lot of man concepts this year, more, way more so than any other year. Uh, they've relied on a lot of man coverage to, be beat, to beat their opponents. Uh, they just lost their starting nickelback, Jamal Agnew, who's also their, their punt returner. He's an all-pro punt returner last year. They lost him to an ACL tear last week or the week before last um, they've, they've struggled when it came to faster guys, when they have to rely on their, their depth cornerbacks. And that's what they're going to be doing. Uh, Tease Tabor was a second round pick last year. He's been a pretty big disappointment for lions fans. He hasn't been able to do much speed has always been a concern with him. Uh, he ran a four, six, two, I believe at the combine even worse at his pro day. It was like a four, seven, four or something like that at his pro day. Um, but he's, he's got a lot of speed issues and it's shown up on tape whenever he's, he's trying to run with a guy. If he's got a guy in front of him and he's playing zone and he's trying to break on a ball, he's a little bit better. But when he's trying to run with a guy, it's not great. Uh, and I could name off some of the other guys they have in their secondary that are that corners anyway, but they're all extreme low-depth guys, guys that weren't even on teams a couple of weeks ago. Uh, their safeties are pretty good, but that you know, when you're relying on your safeties with guys that are, that have speed, you're know, you usually playing catch-up at that point, and that's that's going to be the concern to me. I'm not as concerned about Albert Wilson. I know he's, got, he's a great yak receiver. Uh, the Lions tackling in their secondary has been really good. Uh, I don't think they're going to do what they did the last couple of weeks where they had their linebackers trying to cover the receivers in space. Uh, they did that more because they had uh, quarterbacks that could run, so they would play like a spy role and then cover a receiver that was crossing. I don't think they're going to do that this week. Um, but I'm, I am a little bit concerned about guys that can go deep uh, because they just don't have the speed to keep up with them outside of Slay.
3: One more question before I throw it back to Matt. Uh we're gonna flip back over to the offensive side of the football. Uh Jim Bob Cooter, he's one of the everyone seems to love the guy. I mean, offense corner that's just talked about more so for his name than maybe his play calling. But when you look at this matchup, I mean on Johnson's finally starting to, you know, give the Detroit a running back that they can rely on. You got LeGarrette Blunt, who's kind of the thunder to Johnson's lightning. Then you look at those receivers that you touched on a bit, Kenny Galladay, he should be matched up, you know, with Xavier and Howard. You got Marvin Jones, who should be going up against Bobby McCain, who it looks like he's playing. And then as one person on Twitter referenced and called it, uh, Golden Tate versus Minka Fitzpatrick is almost like football porn. So, uh, (laughs) you know, when you look at that, you see the receivers going up against Miami's good secondary. You see Miami's pretty solid run defense going up against uh, your interior offensive line, who seems to be doing a pretty good job this season. How do you see the Lions attacking that defense? Do you think they're going to, you know, try to, get the run game going early, and then kind of mix in the play action and find those receivers on the outside? Or do you think they're just going to spread it out and go right at the Dolphins' defense?
4: Normally, they'd tr- probably try to spread it out, but they've had issues with Theo Riddick being injured recently, and that, that kind of limits what they can do from a, a pass protection and a, and a route-running perspective from their backfield. You know, Theo Riddick's one of the best. I think he might even be the best rated by PFF right now, uh, pass-blocking running back in the NFL. He's one of the best, if not the best. Um, And that's been that way for years. So they use him a lot in passing situations because he can be that extra blocker and then run routes. And he's just, he's just a monster on arrow routes and, and those, those inside routes and option routes, anything theoretics, a lot of fun, but without him in the backfield, they don't really have that. And they don't have that additional pass blocker that they can rely on. So I feel like they're going to rely a lot more on the run. Uh, they're going to run to the left. I think a lot, even with TJ Lang, probably coming back. I feel that like they're going to rely on the left side of that line. Uh, Taylor Decker has been phenomenal this season. Frank Ragnow started off pretty rough the first couple of weeks, but since then he's been awesome. Uh, Graham Glasgow is having a career year this year at center. The, the left side of that line is much more intimidating than the right side of the line, which has a banged up TJ Lang. And then uh, Rick Wagner, who's really good, but mostly known for being a pass blocker than a run blocker. So the the offensive line is going to be where they're going to be pushing their, their biggest strength. And they're, they're probably going to run a lot more than they have, Hopefully, they give the ball more to, 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 uh, to carry on Johnson than they have been recently. It's been a big pain point for Lions fans that they're not giving them the ball more. Um, but hopefully, that's not the case, and they give them the ball you know, 15 or so times and, and get, the, get the game going.
0: We are joined here by Kent Platy of Pride of Detroit, part of the SB Nation Network. Now, Kent, before we go into the prediction, let's say, or game flow of Sunday's game, you have been predicting a, another thing in sort of a way with relative athletic scores. Can you just give us a quick overview on that and how you know our listeners can get into that?
4: Sure. Uh, relative athletic scores is a, a metric that I developed that, that looks at all player measurements from uh, 1987 all the way back to 1987 to today. Um, it, it compares those, those measurements against all players at that position from that time period. And it, it develops a zero to 10 score. Anybody can understand zero to 10, zero is bad, 10 is great. Um, and then you, you, it, it creates a composite score based on that, which is the actual relative athletic score. Um, I've used that to do some predictive stuff with the draft, uh, teams tend to pick players with higher scores earlier in the draft. Big surprise. Teams love the best athletes in the, in the draft. I know that that's shocking to everyone. Um, but it's also done a really good job of looking back at, at, at uh, people with 10-plus sacks, you know, pass rushers. It's it's done a really good job of predicting those sorts of things. Um, and I'm I'm really excited to move forward with it. We launched a, a new Java-based application this year. You can get it at relativeathleticscores.com. It's free. There's no cost to it. It'll it'll always be free. Uh, I'm developing a mobile application for it as well. It currently only works on Windows. Uh, I'm working on getting it on Mac as well. But you can go download it right now. I'll have an, another update for it in the next week or so. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to keep pushing that forward. You can check it out on the website and also his Twitter page at
0: MathBomb. So, Kent, let's get to it. How do you see the game flow going at Hard Rock Stadium when the Lions
4: take on the Dolphins? I think the Lions are going to come out, just like you said, running early and trying to establish a lead. If they can establish a lead in the first and second quarter, uh, at least a two-possession lead, uh, I, I think the Lions have the best chance of winning this. If they're going into the half and they're tied, and they're trying to make adjustments going into the third quarter, I think it's going to be a much closer game, and the Finns are going to have a much better chance at pulling one out. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge offensive game. I think the stats might look that way, uh, but that's either going to be because one team or the other has already got a pretty big lead, you know, how teams start to go when, when they get desperate. Uh, I'm, I'm still predicting a Lions victory right now. I think the Lions are, are riding pretty high coming into this, and they've had a good chance to get healthy for the most part. Um, I don't know how much they'll win by. I'm hoping, obviously, it's going to be a huge blowout, and all my fans are going to be happy. Um, <laughs> but they've been taking their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half when they're leading. So, my <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I'm I'm more predicting a, a one, maybe a two-score win for the Lions. Uh, if the Finns end up winning, it's probably going to be a close game, just like the Cowboys game, uh, where they lead the entire game, and there's not a lot of lead changes.
0: Yep. You mentioned On Johnson previously with Theo Riddick out. It might be time to unleash Johnson. He's looked good in the action that he's seen this season. So we'll see if Matt Patricia unleashes him on Sunday versus the Dolphins. Kent Platy of Pride of Detroit, a part of the SB Nation Network. Again, Twitter at mathbombrelativeathleticscores.com. Kent, thank you for joining us here on FinSider Radio.
4: Thank you guys for having me. Have a good one. All right, take care.
1: We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.
0: Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from zero to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience, with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet, using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance. Pure design. Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.